Hello and welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Will Harley. I'm joined here with the bald, the beautiful, and the great host, always with awesome comments, Don Winsberger, who is pastor out in the great, wonderful, wide-open spaces of South Dakota. And uh, today we we get to jump on in and continue our conversation on Daniel. And uh, um, this is a great part of Daniel that we get to, to tackle because um, it's... It's looking ahead into what would be future for Daniel and past for us. And and what a great way to comment and talk about that when we look back with 2020 vision and say, oh, God was right on how this all played out. Uh, so uh, a good afternoon here, Don. Um, why don't you join the conversation after you had had uh, your busy week last week? So It's a pleasure to be here with our listeners. You I'm not so sure about, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> well, you know, I my my goal today is to be cantankerous and um and and to share a whole bunch of useless facts about a bunch of people that most of our listeners are going to be like, I have never heard those crazy people and their names before, and you are going to keep us on track. So what separate what separates today from any other day in your ministry? Pretty much absolutely nothing. Um, I, have, I have always been notorious in giving way too much information and and uh, baffling them with my brilliance. And so um, let's... Uh, okay, we'll call it that. Yes, there we go. Let's just be gracious, gracious, gracious. Um, before we begin, these are our views and opinions. Um, they are rambling our thoughts on... on on what we are discussing, we're going to keep and uphold the the doctrine of the Lutheran Church, and of course, uh, uh, the doctrines that are found within the Scriptures. If you don't like what we have to say, or if you'd like to further the conversation, you can reach out and talk with us at our congregations. You can reach out and, and email us at castingnetspod at gmail dot com, or catch me at my own uh, email here at my church uh, that I'm a part of, uh, pastor at saint john dot com, and we'll be more than happy to to pass the messages along. Um, Don, I'm not going to give out your your personal email because oh, I know you don't like to be bothered. You can you can catch me at dwinsberger at uh, gocallpastorharley.com. There you go. See, um, see, I am more personable and I like people, and so um, if you'd like to talk with me, that would be great. But before we begin, we'll have some introdu- uh, introduction music and then uh, jump on into our conversation as we we kind of wind our way to the end of Daniel. Um, and so here we go. And thank you, Don, for for playing the drums for us this uh, afternoon. You are always uh, an amazing drumist. Um, thank you. I know that 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 is uh, um, free to the public music. It's not copyrighted. Sounded that reminded me an awful lot of the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. So I, wonderful seventies rock band. I would have to go up and and take a look at at the band once again. Um, and uh, and see who actually wrote it. But yes, the free music is sometimes good and, and matches what we need to match. So Daniel chapter 10, uh, we're, we're coming to uh, an end, you know, gen, uh, 12 chapters in Daniel, 
and and we are we are smack dab in vision territory. And uh, I think today we're saying ten through pretty much a large portion of eleven up to to verse thirty five in in chapter eleven. And so, uh, you know, we're we're outside of the narrative loop. And so, telling the telling the narrative and walking it through one a little bit by little bit is sort of outside of the purview. So so maybe we should just jump on in and and give the time markers. Um, we, we have another time marker that comes up in, in, in Daniel chapter 10. And then we kind of uh, just dive into, to uh, well, well, actually, we do dive into a little bit of what's going on in Daniel's life at the time. So, and let's, and let's remind our, our beloved listeners here too, that what we have here is, uh, a, there's a couple of unique things about this section of Daniel. First of all, it's it's one of the most detail. It's the most detailed prophecy that we find in all of Scripture. I mean, really, when you look at it, it, it it's that. And not only, if my memory now is serving me correctly, we also in this section here too find this is probably one of the most New Testament quoted. Um, areas of of old uh, of of the Old Testament in Scripture as well. Other than the Psalms, of course. Other than the Psalms, but other than the Psalms, this this portion of Daniel is what is probably the most oft quoted part of the Old Testament in the New Testament. Well, and 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 we're going to find that that later on in chapter ten. Um, well, it's really in chapter eleven that that um, <clears throat> Jesus references back to that in Matthew, right? Uh, where he, he really is looking ahead to what the Romans are going to do, but he, he quotes back from Daniel and says, this is what has been done already, and it's coming again. Um, so we, we haven't gotten to that point yet, but we, we'll get there. Um, just to start us off on, on where we're going, we, are, we have some place markers that, that give us some interesting commentary and link with some minor prophets as well, I think. Um, the first place marker that we're, we're given is we're in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. And so, um, again, we've been, we've been hovering around uh, Darius, Cyrus, this, this idea of the, the, the Persian kings. We're in this third year of reign. So this is a good thing. Um, but Daniel is, um, something amazing is happening with Daniel. First of all, uh, Cyrus has, has signed a decree that all of the Jews could go back home. And um, Daniel is still in Babylon. He's he's still serving. So the question could be why? Why is that going on? But but later on in the in this beginning part of ten, we see that that we also have another time marker that adds a little bit more nuance to some of the things that are going on. We have this nuance of twenty fourth day of the first month, and, and there's some significant in some some very significant marker there. And maybe leads into why Daniel is mourning, um, and he spends three weeks mourning. So he he spends some great deal of time mourning. Um, now I'll ask this: Do you do you have any insight as to to what's caused this? I mean, we're in the twenty fourth day of the first month. What would cause him to mourn at this stage of the game for three weeks? You know, it. I view I view it as this. You know, God's people that, you know, that we have the process of the temple being rebuilt. And then you have here maybe a little bit of Israel's past um, coming back to haunt them. Um, 
you had uh, uh, the Samaritan people, the ones actually, they were the Jews that were the, the non-important Jews that, that that was considered by the Babylonians that were left behind and then interbred with the heathen that were left behind. They really put, the, the Samaritan people, they really put uh, a roadblock into the building of the temple. It got going, and they actually brought it to a screeching halt. Um, you know, it had to have been like the, the, the wind being taken out of your sails. You got the 70 years of captivity that are over. Um, you're really looking for things to be better, or they're going to get better. And then it's almost like a punch in the stomach. Um and uh, um, and this is something Daniel, being a, a, a prophet, a servant of God, a messenger of God, uh, and a, the faithful believer that he is, this was just devastating to him. And so that reaction does not surprise me. Well, and and I would probably say it goes in, and you you approached it. Not only is the temple not finished, but I mean we're in the first month. This is like Passover celebration, and yes. and man, this is. This is a time when they they were looking forward to having an opportunity actually to celebrate the Passover with the temple intact, and and it's been stifled. I mean that is a and and that maybe plays into why he's still in Babylon because he can he functions better to help his people in his place uh, in his position uh, as as advisor um, to help in that endeavor as opposed to to not being there. Um, so, so maybe there's a there's a little bit of that going on uh, in the background of all this. But he's mourning, he's fasting, he's uh, praying, um, and and we don't know his prayer, but we can anticipate the prayer is probably not any different than it was before. You know, Lord, when is this all going to end? When is this going to get better? Um, how are you going to help our people? You know, what's going to happen? And um, the Lord answers in a a miraculous way and in uh in a way that uh let's put it this way it did more than get daniel's attention <laughs> and it, it not only got his attention but it also uh, and interestingly enough the the people that he's with right um the the people that daniel is with they don't see the vision that daniel sees but they feel the presence that daniel feels and their reaction is just the same they they have to run away um, you know, this is, they, they're not gifted the wonderful vision that he saw, but they definitely felt what he felt. Um, you know, and again, not wanting to, I'm not going to steal any thunder that that's coming up as, as we go into detail about things, but this is something I think that's important to keep in mind because it's what it's with Daniel's vision and what's going to be laid out eventually is going to get to the times, the last times that we're living in now, this was something that, I mean, shook him to the core. Um, it shook him even, even, even to greater than the core. Um, and so um, it, 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 two things. It's something for, at least as I, as I apply this to myself, it's something that says for me to take notice of these things. Um, and then it's also something to, to, to be reminded too, that, uh, um, no matter, and we've been in you and I will listeners, we've all been living in the last time since, since we've been, since we were born, 
Um, it, it just seems to be maybe with some of us that we think things are worse now. Yeah, you know, either way, this is something that the Lord has recorded in Scripture to get our attention, shake us to the core, and drive us to Him. Well, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about that because I think that's an important section when when um, you see the reaction of of Daniel and and how he reacts and and then how this special vision reacts to him. So let's let's maybe uh, go through and, and sort of describe what he sees before we get to the vision that he was given. And so he, uh, um, if you're following along in your Bibles, I would grab a, a Bible and um, look at chapter ten. And uh, um, look at, at really verse 4 um, and, and continuing on. And, and starting in verse 5, he sees, this, he sees this vision. He says, I looked up, and there right in front of me I saw a man dressed in linen. Around his waist he was wearing a belt made from gold of Uphaz. His body was like topaz, his face looked like lightning, his eyes were like burning torches, his arms and feet were like polished bronze, the sound of his words was like the sound of an army. Um, and, and, and I want to highlight that just enough because, man, this sounds so oddly familiar in a description as the description of Christ himself in Revelation and Christ himself in, in the book of Ezekiel, that this is the Son of Man. This is the second person of the Trinity. Now I know there's some conjecture, and 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 we gotta do do justice to that. Some people have thought this is maybe just an angel, but I I think if we let Scripture interpret Scripture, there's so much evidence of this is this is the the presentation of the Son of God that we have in Revelation and 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 in Ezekiel. That man, it's really hard not to to rush to this is Christ who appears before him. Well, and I, where I where I come down to in my thinking and and in exegetical and isagogical work on scripture here, we have the benefit of the books of Ezekiel and the book of Revelation, where John and Ezekiel identify this this person as Jesus. The the conjecture as to why Daniel doesn't. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily important. My thinking, this is just my feeble little mind with this, my thinking is this, is that pretty much he has been so clearly pointed out in the previous chapters of Daniel. It's pretty obvious. You look at what's been revealed here before. This is pretty obvious. It's like, it's, it's like, again, conjecture on my part, but it's just like, Duh, if I have to explain this to you again, I'm boring you to death. Well, and, and it's I, that obvious. Yeah, and I, I guess I would I would I would I would point that out too and say, you know, if you're struggling to find Jesus in the book of Daniel, you don't I, have to struggle. Yeah, the, the, I mean this 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 of all places should not be a place where you struggle to see Jesus in in the book of Daniel. And and then I would even say that that linked to this and giving this idea, we're going to find out this man is unique in many, many ways. And in the very beginning, what is it, uh, verse 1 of, of chapter 11, 
Um, and, and we're going to get to some of the odd, odd wording there. But but he says that that even he strengthens and supports Michael, who is an archangel. And, and so, I mean, this man is more than an archangel, right? Um, yep. And, and so that, that should give us some indication that this is, you know, this is God. This, this is the son of God. Yeah. Now, who else could it be? Because human beings were inferior to the angels. Right, right. But like you said, with, without, I mean, but Daniel does not say specifically. So if you are one of those people that do not like to find Christ in the Old Testament and or struggle finding Christ in the Old Testament and would rather say this is an angel, well, you could call him the angel of the Lord in all caps, which would still be Christ. I was just going <laughs> to say convert to Judaism, but that's all. So what happens? So this man appears, um, and and the the people that Daniel's with they flee because they can see nothing, but they feel the presence of the Holy One. Daniel, on the other hand, uh, he does not flee the presence of the Lord, um, but he has an adverse reaction. <laughs> I think that's the best way to say it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, that it it was something. Uh, it affect it affected it affected his appearance. Um, it affected his demeanor, um, and he fainted. <laughs> yeah, he he kind of passes out. <laughs> I, I I hear you I'm speaking. I don't understand the words coming out of your mouth. I'm actually surprised it didn't say he lost control of his bodily functions. Well, I mean, I, I you know, the, it's funny how he reacts, isn't it? I mean, not funny, haha, but funny in a, in a way because, I mean, we we see some of the reaction of of uh, in scripture many times when God appears and and it says people were afraid, right? Or, or even on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus and his glory shines um, and, and then the, the glory cloud comes down and we see um, Peter, James, and John, they, they kind of fall over and they're, they're frightened and they're afraid. Um, we never really get the true gravity of what that must have been like, but here we have that wonderful description of what that true fear looked like. It was all the blood ran from his face and he became white as a sheet. Uh, he he heard. He heard. I mean, it's interesting how he says, "I I hear you speaking." I don't get it. I I mean I, I mean, and even before he can respond, the Lord has to give him the strength to even make that comment. Because he is, like you said, he has passed out. I I see your lips moving. I <laughs> I don't understand the words coming out of your mouth. Um, yep. and, and so the Lord has to give him the ability to even respond in a meager way. But that's, but, but there's the beautiful part about it because before he gets this vision, what does the Lord do? Well, and I'm, I'm going to call him the Lord throughout this entire time. So if you don't agree that he's Christ, I don't know how else you cannot see it, but what does he do? Well, there you go. But what does he do? I mean, he does so much for, for Daniel so that he is prepared to receive this vision. Um, I mean, he lifts him up, right? He, he gives him strength. He says, peace be with you. And then, and he says, you are highly valued. 
I, I, I love it. He highlights to Daniel that says, you're one of mine and I value you. I, I you know, there's a love there. Um, isn't that, isn't that eerily prefiguring of, uh, of, uh, the Gabriel's words to uh, Mary? It is you highly favored. Yeah, yes, very much. So there's, there's the idea of, of God's people are highly favored and they are loved. Um, and, and, uh, um, not certain ones are are high, more highly favored than other ones, but God's people are highly favored. God God's chosen are highly favored, and 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 look at what happens. Okay, so he's he he responds in a meager way. He says, "I I can't take this," and um, the words of the Lord are very very awesome. He touches his lips and he says to him to be strong, be strong, and he's strong, and he's able to 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 withstand it. Um, I I mean that's. Before we get into the vision, I think that is an awesome gospel moment in this entire thing. Where a means, a means of grace moment, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, where you see the Lord providing for his people to take what's going to be very difficult to handle, and he, he gives he gives the strength to handle it. Uh, and, and this is just a vision for Daniel, I mean, this isn't even living through it. But the fact yeah. that Daniel's going to see it um, and witness it, he needs the strength to to be able to handle that. Um, so I, I think that's a really cool moment in in what goes on. So uh, anything else on this man and anything else on um, what happens? I, I want to make a comment on uh, on what comes up in 13, where I think we need to talk about it because I think... 13 marks the beginning of what we're going to see through the rest of, of, of really this vision, which is the battle of what's going behind, behind the scenes, right? The battle behind the scenes. Um, verse 13 for our listeners is, uh, However, an officer of the kingdom of Persia was standing against me for 21 days, yet Michael, one of the chief officers, came to help me, for I had been left there against the kings of Persia. And and so this is the, this is the just to give you context. This is this is Christ. He's standing before Daniel. He has strengthened Daniel to hear the message. And Daniel uh, is and and Christ is saying, okay, I've been using these governments for my purpose, and uh, and in in the the process of me using these governments for my purpose, someone has been standing against me. And and here we have the introduction to the battle, and, I, and let's discuss that thirteen just to, just briefly on on what's going on there. Take it, you're on a roll. Okay, well, um, it looks like in in thirteen we're 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 presented with a, as best as I could figure, almost a demon possession, uh, where where the devil has sent a demon has or or himself actively to place people in the Persian government to stifle the work that God has been using the Persian government to do, to reestablish his people. And so there seems to be this, this, the demonic force now, right? That is at work pushing against the will of God. Then we have this really interesting thing that we see in, in the scriptures, which is God's use of angelic forces, not because he needs to, but because he desires to. And, and, Go on. 
you know, I think it's good to just expound briefly about why, what we're, you know, why the devil would go to such extremes here. This is a key. We're dealing with key parts of salvation history here. Okay, um, right here with the Persian government, with uh, um, with uh, with Israel going, with Israel being sent sent back, uh, the reestablishment of the temple. Um, we're looking at again too. There are prop. These things have to be have to happen to fulfill prophecy, bringing about and leading up to the coming of the Messiah. The devil is unleashing unholy, hellish fury um, in any way that he can to try to prevent this. Absolutely, the Messiah. Absolutely. And and he's gonna and, and it's not gonna be the only time. I mean, we're gonna find out that he's not only gonna be placing people in the Persian government to do this, but he's gonna be placing people in the Greek government to do this. He's going to be lashing out. Um, in fact, later on in eleven, we're gonna see um, how how the devil is in influencing people to try to eradicate the the Jewish faith altogether, um, so that the lead up to the Christ does not exist. Um, and, and yet we're going to see God's power through it all and his preservation through it all as, as, as it goes on. But, but I think this is, this is this wonderful insight we see. You know, there are moments in the scriptures where God pulls back the veil of heaven and, and we get to see behind the veil, right? We get to see what's happening in the heavenly realms all around us at all times that we are not privy to. Um, where where Paul will say that our our actual fight is not against the the flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual forces of darkness that are always around us. Or or where John, um, the Gospel of John, will mention Christ's own words that that we are doing battle daily, right, with with these these heavenly realms, um, and the and the heavenly darknesses that are around us. And we we fail to realize it, I think, in our own life. We we look at everything as. And maybe this is where the connect comes. We look at this and we say, okay, I have a problem with this president or I have a problem with this policy or I have a problem with with this person or that person. Um, and, and we start looking at it as, as, okay, if I can just change that president, it'll be fine. Or if I can just change this policy, everything will be great. And we fail to realize that the ultimate enemy is the one who is working behind the scenes and will continue to work behind the scenes to stifle everything that goes on. Amen. And I, and I think we see it here. Yes. I mean, and this is something that, that it, it goes on daily. It's going to go on until, uh, until the Lord returns at his final judgment. It is, uh, uh, and another thing that I think about here too, just to touch on lately with that, with the, forces of evil against uh, the the good angels the, the evil angels against the good angels um our 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 guardian angels uh, we're surrounded by countless numbers of angels we don't even have a clue thankfully we don't even have a clue of all the danger that we're being protected from at right this moment but here's the thing the de- the devil doesn't let up um you know I think Paul is clear about that in, in Ephesians and the rest of his epistles. Jesus is clear about that, and uh, and it's clear here in Daniel. Uh, the devil is not some little red-suited, pointy-eared, long-tailed guy holding a red pitchfork um, um, going around for buff- buffoonish laughs. This is the beast, um, and, uh, uh, and 
and, and, and he's dangerous. It's serious. This is all he has to do until the end of time. And, and I think that, but the, there's hope in this section though. And I, and I, I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not trying to, 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 to give gloom and doom, but you know, it's like, gee, it's, it's like Peter tells us, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil is prowling like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This, we need to remember that. We don't want to take the devil lightly. The victory is ours. That's something that we're going, that's part of this vision. But yet at the same time, the, the cold, hard reality is, is that doesn't mean, while the victory has been won, that doesn't mean that there's not danger. Oh, and I agree wholeheartedly. I, I remember the words that, that Elijah spoke to his his servant, right? And he says, those who are with us are, are more than those who stand against us. And and that I, I kind of laugh at that. Just uh, I, I, I believe that's true. Um, one, because the scriptures say so, but two, because it's so comforting. But I see that in, interestingly here in, in this section. You know, we have these, these, these evil forces that are, are rallying against us, right? And could Christ take it on his own? Does he need help? No. But he, he welcomes one angelic being to help him, and, all, and that's all that's needed. That on the, forces of the, uh, on the forces of good, only one out of the myriad is needed to hold back the storm. Just one. And, and that's not even Christ entering the fray. I mean, yes, the arch, the archangel Michael, and it's it, you know it's one of these things where I'm really I, I'm really sad that in the course of church history that uh, um, that uh, the festival of Saint Michael and all angels I really feel that that's something that should fall on a Sunday of the church year. It shouldn't be one that floats on a certain date. That's just my opinion. I there's a there's been a, not all the time, but a many times in the ministry where we've gotten close to that. I will. Uh, it, it it is a wonderful festival. It's a wonderful time not only to to uh, um, to be reminded of the Lord's love and protection and so forth. But what a one to 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 to, to focus on that doctrine of angels. Well, and and I think in in focusing on that doctrine of angels, you know. Um, we all think, or I guess maybe we're under the impression, you know, I have one guardian angel, right? One guardian angel that only guards me. And and honestly, one is one is enough. One is enough. I mean, that is how much God has given to them to to serve us. Um, that one would be enough. But the fact that there are myriads of more uh, that we are surrounded by guardian angels, not guardian angel. Um, yes. and, and then, and, but I, I still come back to this, this amazing, you have had these huge turning points in history. This, this is like huge historical stuff playing as, as God is playing out his story for all people so that the, the Christ will come. And here's Christ standing before Daniel saying, here is the lead up to my earthly story. And, and as dark as it may be, only one of my heavenly beings is needed to hold back the storm. And, and to continue to guide it. But not only that, I'm going to be present to do it. Because because notice how the, how the story goes. I mean, so much of this is, is in his face that, that Daniel, Daniel again is like, I, 
I, I can't stand looking at this. I, I can't stand witnessing what's going to happen and what's happening. And, and again, the Lord gives him strength and gives him peace to stand and hear about it. And, and then he continues, um, you know, he continues to show him what is going to happen. And, and here you have that word where, where even in the face of all of this struggle, Michael needs help. He still stands, but Michael needs help. And that leads us right into to chapter 11, right, where we really start picking up, getting into the story of the vision, where Michael needs help and says, you know what? These officials are they're pushing back. The Greek officials are coming. So we have two demons warring against each other now, uh, the demons of Persia, as well as the demon, uh, a, a, a demon-possessed man or a, 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 a dark spiritually driven man from, from Greeks. And now Michael is being being pushed, right? Um, and yet the Lord supports him. Um, and so the, the battle continues to be waged. So now we have the spiritual background um, of what's going on in what the vision is going to be as as we turn out. So 11 really, I and mean, we just like cruised right through 10. But 11 is is really the vision that that is so detailed in, in what's coming. Maybe before we d- delve into that, let's 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 give our people a mind. As just as I'm watching the clock here, we have about 20 mo- 21 minutes to cover a good part of chapter eleven. Let's give them a time frame beginning to end of this vision. So we're dealing from the time of Daniel to Judgment Day. Um. Eventually, and by the time the vision ends, because we're going to stop it. Yeah, because we're going to stop it about halfway through the vision. Yeah, we'll stop about halfway through, but um, because that 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 the entire the vision ends, we'll, we'll get uh, as we go through and finish up with chapter twelve and and so forth. Uh, but yeah, it, this is a this is a this is a long period of time, and it's 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 detailed. We've been through we've been through some of this before. You know, again, we starting out with Cyrus and. And the Persian rulers, and again, you see the devil working hard against them. And then, when we, then this takes us into great detail with the Greek, uh, with with, with the, the Greek Alexander the Great, the Greek Empire that led up real close to the time of Jesus. Some interesting stuff in here that also happens to prefigure things, some things that are going on today, which we will get to in our next podcast, but well, um, it, it primes it, the pump. Well, I think it all primes the pump. Like you said, I, I think, you know, this, the detail that is given to us in Daniel is, is, is really something that primes the pump for, for the, the conflict that we see within Jesus time. Um, and, and, and the political atmosphere in which, uh, the Holy land finds itself and the rules that were established and, and why they were established the way that they were. Um, you know, I think a lot of this is priming the pump of, and, uh, from what comes from Daniel. Um, the beginning part of 11, you know, we have a century's worth about uh, a century's worth of history being summed up in, in one or two verses where, where he, he, he kind of just says there's going to be, there's going to be three, di- uh, three kings that are going to come to the Medes and the Persians. And there's going to be one king who's going to set this whole thing off. And we know who that king is. Um, that's Xerxes uh, Asuerus, also is his other name. Um, he is an interesting fellow because we also have another religious 
we have another book of the Bible that that talks about Xerxes, Asuerus, um, Esther, you know. Um, and Esther is such a, but you, you see, you want to want to get an idea of the turmoil that the Jewish people are in and the pressure from, from Satan and how he's forcing it onto the Jewish people. Esther is a great place to go, right? Um, and, and, and interesting book. Maybe eventually we'll take a look at that book at some point and, and walk our way through it. But, but interesting in the fact that uh, it doesn't once mention the name of God. Yeah, not only that, but it never once was up for contention of not being a book that's part of the canon. So, um, you know, a lot of things you could talk about Esther, but but so we know where this whole thing happens. But we have this, we have so we have Xerxes, and and it all starts off with Xerxes uh, piling all his his forces together. It's you know the scriptures say that that he he gathers all of his great riches, uh, he gathers all of his his men to become strong, and he goes out to war. Um, we know from history, you know, two and a half million people, and he goes to try to poke a fight with Greece, and it does not end well for him. Um, and he gets thwomped. <laughs> he he pokes a fight at the Greeks, and the Greeks come out swinging. Um, and 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 that leads us right into Alexander, and and that's where really you have this vision start taking off. <clears throat> you have the strong warrior king who comes, um, great dominion, um, does what he wants. Um, but as fast as he rises, he breaks, and and we see that right. Um. Alexander, he's 32 years old. He dies, malaria and, uh, and other life choices. And uh, his two kids, who are too young at the time, are assassinated. And uh, his kingdom is split up into four four areas. And and two of them we don't really care about. because Not that we don't care about them, but they, they kind of just fade off into history. Um, but there's two that really play a part in, in where we're going for this vision. And that is the Seleucids. And the Ptolemies, and and I think that'll be about all we're gonna say about m- the majority of the names of people, unless you decide you want to throw in more names of people. Only because not because they're, they're hard names, but because you'll get confused because a lot of them are gonna be named Seleucus, you know, one, two, three, four, five, Antiochus the fifth, all these different things, and so it, it just may be easier to say, okay, you have two. Two ruling classes, the Seleucids, who take over Syria and Babylon, and the Ptolemies, who take over Egypt. And if you look at a map, you find out there is one place in the middle that they battle over. And that one place is the Holy Land. And this is where it interacts with God's people. And, and I think that's where, where all of this comes in. And that, and that, very, and that, I think, is something that that a bit that contributes to Daniel's angst, fear, faint as he sees all of this. Um, God's people, a prophet knowing better th- than anyone else what uh, Israel's role is in the salvation of the world. Um, this is stuff that this would this would be enough to sober up a drunk. Oh, absolutely, and and the and just the nonsense. I mean, it, when you when you, I mean, just for if you just look at 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 the hundred and fifty years that it covers. I mean, we start at verse five in in chapter eleven, but you go from verse five to twelve, um, just the back and forth, and they're rolling. They're just rolling over uh, the Holy Land, just back and forth, rolling over the Holy Land. 
um, you know, the, 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 the Ptolemies from Egypt, they would, they would exert themselves and they would march up and they would take over Palestine and force the Syrians, the, 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 the Seleucids out. And then all of a sudden, a couple of years later, the Seleucids would force them way back, you know, and this is back and forth and back and forth. And, and then you see in, and how I think it's worth saying the detail to which God gives this prophecy. Because, I mean, he even details the intermarriage of the two families in the attempt to try to bid for peace and and how those fail and sometimes succeed. I mean, it, it's very, very detailed. And then and then just the, the idea of of the brother of, of an intermarriage gets revenge and and how two enemies come together. And it's just the amount of detail that we have um, looking at it, of course, from the future, looking back and saying, okay, when he says the South, this is who he's talking about. The kings of the South, that, that the Ptolemies, the kings of the North, that's the, the Seleucids. Um, and we see in history how it played out. It, it just a fabulous, fabulous look into um, the richness of God who knows and holds history in his hand. Uh, you know, and, and as you brought that up too, I think this is probably a area of prophecy in scripture that actually, as we look at stuff, Hindsight is twenty twenty, but here especially, really to be able to look back, there's such detail given. There's not; it's pretty clear. Um, uh, fulfillment here is pretty clear. There's not; there's not really a lot of room for speculation. It's like, oh, this is, this is pretty crystal clear. Yeah, and it's, it, it's nice to be. It's nice to be able to look at a section of prophecy like that too. Well, and and what makes it nice is, is like you said, not only is it clear, but it's like you you don't look at it and say, well, it could be translated this way. It, it it I mean, it really, you know, when and I and I think this is what causes maybe the most fear for Daniel, and 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 maybe it should cause us a little bit of fear too, is many times in when God gives prophecy, He doesn't make it necessarily vague. But he he allows us to wrestle, right? He 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 gives us an opportunity to to figure it out and to see it play out. But here he hates it. I don't want to be I don't want to be a nitpicker here. Is there a bit of a difference here when we're talking about this was a vision Daniel was given? What's the possibility? And this is just something that sprung into my mind, which would also blow be enough to blow him away if this was did i mean was it like almost like was this vision could this vision have been like god taking daniel right allowing him to see actually what was going on and when you're dealing i mean that would be enough to take in right there and then how do you process process that absolutely how do you process that and communicate it could be a lot like john with his vision of heaven in revelation yeah, and say this and don't say that. Yes, I you know you know I haven't really thought about that, but as you're mentioning that, you know, I it brings me back to a time when when Saving Private Ryan came out. Remember the movie? Yes. And I went to go see it in the movie theater with my dad, and about halfway through the movie, my dad had to get up and he walked out, and uh, didn't know anything about it until on the way home. I said to my dad, I said, I said, you know, why did you walk out? And my dad said, he said, you don't know how real that was. Because I'd never been in war, but my dad had been in war, and and he's and it was just too real. 
it, it, it brought back too many memories um, that was real. And, and even though it was a movie, it was too real. And it, and it just, and, and maybe this is one of those moments. And if you think about the life of Daniel, this isn't the first time Daniel has seen war. This isn't the first time he's seen suffering. This isn't the first time he's seen great upheaval. And now he's seeing it and he's seeing it in the, in a span of 150 years and how it washes like a wave back and forth over his people over the people that he loves and he's fighting for and that he is he is defended for the greater part of his ministry and you see it washing i mean daniel daniel if we know anything about daniel he has a pastor's heart and he sees this happening in in maybe very vivid very vivid way and it washing over his people and it just makes him sick it just makes him sick um we look back at it and say wow what an amazing vision that he could see in such detail and he probably looks at this and says, wow, what a horrible vision that I can see it in such great detail. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. But, but it, you know what? And we even get and, and in the last couple of minutes, let's get to, to really the, the worst part about the vision. I mean, dear listener, if you have questions, ask, and we'll be more than happy to explain more of the details, but we, we're just giving you a cursory idea of what's going on in, in this chapter, but we have kind of this culmination of of even worse things that are coming up in the in the last half year of of eleven, and and I'm going to hand it off to you because you explain Antiochus um, uh, Epiphanes as I think better than than most. So I'm going to hand him off to you. Um, this is one probably the most I can tell you it wasn't it, it was leading up to the time of Christ. This was the most despised conquering ruler that ever was over uh, the Jews. Um, Antiochus Epiphanes, it, uh, it's really kind of, if you want a, a loose translation, I, Antiochus, God made manifest. He's considering himself God among the people, which is, would, I mean, how, how, I mean, how much more arrogant and blasphemous can you get than that? His goal was really, and it was his goal to wipe out Judaism. Um, probably one of his most crowning despicable acts was to go into the temple, not only take out all of the uh, articles, the the article, you know, the sacred articles and so forth. He sacrificed a pig on in the holy of holies, in the present at, at where where God's presence was. Um, and the, the he drove the people. He drove crazy. They had a wonderful nickname for him. He called himself Antiochus Epiphanes, God, God, God manifest among the people. They called him um, Antiochus Epimenes, which means Antiochus the crazy one, which was probably more accurate. Um, and so uh, this this really explains why why uh, uh, the Jewish people, when you get to the time of Jesus, were looking for a political a political savior not a spiritual one, but I jumped too far ahead. Uh, last thing I'm going to say, another thing that's often been said, and I had forgotten about this until we dug back into Daniel. Antiochus among Christian historians um, has all, has always been referred to in, in, in modern times as the Old Testament Antichrist. And, 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 you know, there's a, there's a reason for that. Um, Antiochus's whole entire 
um, reign, if you want to call it that, was illegitimate. He was never king. Um, he he kind of took he kind of took the reins over from um, his nephew. Uh, when his brother died and his nephew was held hostage in Rome, he kind of weaseled his way in and bought the favor of important people, and that's kind of what he did for the rest of his his days. He he sounds, bought the favor. Like a lot of sounds a lot of like a lot of popes going back in the last two thousand years, but we'll get to that next week. There there is a reason why he's called the Antichrist of the Old Testament, <laughs> not the New <laughs> Testament. But but I mean, it, it gets even worse than that. I mean, he his modus of operandi was was really his his sleaziness and how he dealt with people. He would make promises and then when the time was right, break them when they were comfortable and so he could obtain more power. Um, he was a child when he lost. He took his aggression out on the people of Israel because they happened to be um, in the way or on the way back home. One of the things that he did, though, that I thought, uh, I mean, granted, it was bad. Um, when he, he went in, he, he desecrated the temple, and he did it twice, actually. The second time, yeah. he went and put up a statue of Zeus and an altar to Zeus right in the temple grounds. And that's what dropped that act, that. That drove the Jews, if I remember, almost into a mini rebellion right there. Well, it, it did a rebellion. It's called the Maccabean yep. Revolt. Yep. Yes. And and that and if you want to read about the Maccabean Revolt, it's about the only decent book in the Apocrypha. Um, yep. Maccabees uh, one and Maccabees two. Second Maccabees, which yes. is good reading, and Luther will tell you that. Right, and it's a historical account of what happened during those revolts event uh, against Antiochus. But, but the, the thing that I think was even worse, and this leads into the time of Christ as well, is Antiochus was a huge proponent of Hellenization. And so he, he really wanted to make everybody um, a, a pagan, heathen, Greek culture, that kind of stuff. And what he did is he sought out Jews who had fallen away from the Jewish faith. And he sowed them, he supported them, and he funded them, and sowed their anti anti-religious views into the community more and and they called they had a name for them hellenistic jews um that that was really their name they were the hellenistic jews and we have them still existing today in, today but also in the time of 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 jesus. of jesus where where they are very much the supporters of the roman government and and actually those are the ones that come up and say should we pay Taxes to Caesar, you know. These are these people that that, and they're interacting within the time frame of 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 Jesus at this time. And actually, the actually actually Caiaphas and Annas, the high priests of Jesus' day, one was appointed by the Roman government, and they were both actually puppets of the government. Right, and would have been considered Hellenistic Jews. Hellenistic In fact, Jews. Uh, uh, what do they say? Onias the third. Onias III, who was the high priest at the time when Antiochus came through, uh, was said to have been the very first high priest puppet of the pagan people because he, he formed an alliance. Actually, the time when the high priest became the highest political position in, in, the, in, the, in, the Jew, in, in Israel. Exactly. And so you have Antiochus who, who spends his entire career um, um, really after, after some very failed attempts to, to overthrow the Ptolemies uh, down south. Um, and, and actually that only fails. And that only fails because um, a northern power comes to the defense of Egypt. 
and that northern power is Rome. And so Rome enters the fray and and tries to rein in Antiochus. And Antiochus takes out his aggression on the people of Israel and the people of Israel, which, which by the way, and this is the cool thing. This is the really cool thing that we're going to learn um, as this whole thing goes on is that, um, and if you're a child of history, you're going to love this. The people of the Jews, when the Romans come, are going to welcome the Roman rule. And that is what's going to give them the opportunity to retain their religious freedom. And, and it would, which makes it really odd because they want to break out of Roman rule during the time of Jesus, but they welcome Roman rule to get rid of Antiochus. And that's what really, and because they welcome Rome, Rome gives them the freedom to retain their religious principle. And, and dear listeners, do you see God's hand in this? In leading up, again, the fullness of time um, and in control, leading and guiding and controlling everything to bring about everything necessary for the birth of the Savior. Absolutely. Where where the, the Jewish faith had freedom to continue. So so Christ would be able to live the law, doing everything that was needed that we would we were required to do, he would be able to do. Um and and still uh you had the Roman rule, so that means they would still he would still be able to be put to death, right? According to prophecy, exactly how it should have been and needed to be. Um, it's just a really, so there's grace in this. As horrible as this vision is, um, and as horrible as what goes on is, and, and the, 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 the travesty that becomes of the Jewish nation in many of this, there is hope and there is comfort. Um, but that's going to have to wait till next week because there's more. The vision's not over. And that's next week's conversation. And, what, and once again, in this, we look through this whole thing, this whole vision. Um, I can't help but wonder if Jesus didn't have many of these things in mind when he said the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. I'm sure he did. And uh, as the gates of hell will still never prevail against the the church, um, I invite you next time because this vision isn't over. So we're not done yet. Daniel still continues. And after Daniel, you'll be surprised where we go next. So until then... God's richest blessings as uh, you gather around his word.